Baltic Avenue, Park Place, Boardwalk. If these names sound familiar, it's probably from taking a spin around the block with rich Uncle Pennybags in the popular board game Monopoly. Audrey Sutherland, a 29-year-old country girl from Michigan's rural Thumb region, had played Monopoly before, but when she moved to Metro Detroit in 2017, suburbia was a little too much like the board game for her liking. It was actually kind of funny because when I moved to um, Metro Detroit initially, I remember talking to my sister and I was living with my brother there. I stayed with him and his family and I was like, I just don't think I can move here. I mean, everything's just so the same. It's so suburban. Like I'm used to like the country where everything is like wide open fields and it just feels like I'm like part of a monopoly board or something. All the houses are on a grid and they're the same. Where Audrey grew up, life moves slowly. The livestock outnumber the people, and the houses aren't four to a square. In fact, you'd be lucky to find a hotel within 50 miles. There is a railroad, but it's the Huron and Eastern, not B&O or Reading. Get out of jail free is when your mother's uncle knows the sheriff, and free parking? Where Audrey lived, the only parking is free parking. So it was really out of character when Audrey, for the last four years, the mild-mannered admissions director at St. Catherine of Siena Academy in Wixom, decided to abruptly quit her job, pack her bags, and move across the country to live among the homeless, prostitutes, and gambling addicts in the city where Monopoly made its name. Atlantic City. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. The main industry in Atlantic City, New Jersey, which should come as no surprise, is casinos. The city thrives on tourism. Slot machines and craps tables are as essential to the city's economy as assembly lines are to Detroit's. In normal times, bachelor and bachelorette parties fill the hotel rooms and bars, which are booming with revelers indulging in the bright lights, the free-flowing alcohol, and the highly charged sexual atmosphere. Notice I said normal times, not good times. The primary struggle that a lot of um, the individuals here face is just addiction of one sort or another. So. That could be addiction to gambling, addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol, um, you know, you name it. There's just a lot of a lot of enslavement here just to the, the stronghold of addiction. That's Audrey, who's currently five months into an eight-month mission with the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal. She isn't becoming a nun, though she admires the sisters for their dedication to the poor. And there's a lot of poverty in America's East Coast gaming mecca. While gambling, prostitution, and drug abuse are a way of life in Atlantic City, those vices come with an unhealthy dose of suffering. Homelessness runs rampant along the Jersey Shore, and so does desperation. For many who live there, Atlantic City isn't a gambler's paradise, but a cold, unfeeling machine that eats dollars and spits out souls. Excuse me, you have a dollar? That's in normal times. During COVID-19, the misery has reached almost endemic levels with 20,000 people out of work and a poverty rate of 37.7%. So why would Audrey, a Catholic girl from the corn country of Michigan, want to move there? Yeah, well, it's a good question. Um, I'm still kind of surprised that I'm here in Atlantic City doing this because it's not something I had planned on. and. Um, I think it just shows that when you follow Jesus, it's always an adventure. 
Quite simply, she wanted to help. My impression of her in the interview was that she had a high octane of the spirit. Like you could hear that in her. You could hear the love that she had for Jesus. You could hear how she wanted to give that to others. But she hadn't had the opportunity to do it in the world yet. That's Karen Irvin, the former principal at St. Catherine of Siena and the one who hired Audrey in 2017. Karen's like an older sister to Audrey and helped Audrey bounce ideas when she was considering her application. She just has a way about her where you can see that joy of the Lord in her in the way that she is with people. So even if she's not directly, you know, preaching the gospel, she could be ministering to somebody or being attentive to their needs or listening, you know, to them or even working in a soup kitchen, right, and helping to feed them. And you'll see that light of love in her, just in the way that she is. Audrey's a mass-going Catholic, but you wouldn't describe her as holier than thou. And quitting a well-paying job with no prospects lined up on the other side wasn't in the original cards, so to speak. One day, just kind of on a whim, um, I thought about this program. I decided to make a phone call, got the information. Um, I thought it sounded nice, but it wasn't really for me. Um, but I decided just to pray about it, you know, get the application. Um, and as I did, it really became clear to me. I mean, it's beautiful how God works that he always... Um, for me in particular, I'm not a decisive person, so the fact that he made it so clear to me to do this was really a gift because I just, I knew that God was asking me to apply to just kind of step out and see, at least knock on the door and see if he was leading me to do this um, program. The program is a nine-month mission in which Audrey and three other people whom she'd never met live, work, and serve alongside the homeless, outcast, and desperate in the heart of Atlantic City, serving meals, sparking conversations, and connecting with those in need of help. Their residence is a block from the Jersey Shore and is surrounded by casinos, liquor stores, and hotels. In other words, right where they're needed the most. We're right next to one of the very worst alleys in Atlantic City. Um, I think we had to call the police, like, every day this week, maybe a couple times, because, like, things were happening there that um, weren't good. But just having the Blessed Sacrament here and the presence of Jesus radiating out in this area, I mean, I know that we'll probably never even know until heaven, like, really what that, the impact of that is. Audrey lives with three others, one from Canada, one from Maryland, and one from Illinois, at the St. Benedict House, which is named for Father Benedict Groschel, one of the founders of the Franciscan Sisters and Friars of the Renewal. The sisters are a couple of blocks away. They live among the poor which, as Audrey sees it, is essential. I mean, Jesus himself was poor. He chose to be born poor, and he really lives in a special way um, and dwells among those who are, you know, the misfits and the broken and the most hurting in the world. Um, so I just really felt that call to really just accompany people and to be um, a presence to them of his love. It's more than just a sandwich or a quick God bless, though. I mean, that's really, at the end of the day, what what our whole mission is. It's not about um, handing out hygiene bags or um, providing food for people. Like, that's part of it. But more than that, they need hope, uh, more than the, the tangible things that we give them. Um, so our whole goal of our mission is really just to form a healthy relationship with the people that we serve through a ministry of presence. And when that trust is built, 
um, it opens a door for them to really see that they're lovable, to see their own dignity, and then to encounter the reality that God loves them and that there's a different way of life possible for them, that He never gives up on them. Despite the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, the missionaries host breakfast twice a week, rain or shine, and actively seek out those on the streets, praying with people and earning their trust little by little. So every day is a little bit different, and you never quite know what's going to happen. But we do provide breakfast to um, about 80 to 130 of our um, homeless and um, poor neighbors. And we do that twice a week um, here from the Father Benedict House. Um, And we've had to get creative in recent times of how we do that with COVID to make sure everything is safe. So a lot of that is outside now where it used to be we would invite people in and we would like serve them coffee and they would sit down and there would be games that they could play or instruments that they could play or so it was really just more of a um an opportunity to get to get to know them sometimes people come for a hot meal sometimes the hot meal comes to them and then we also do street evangelization which is where we just go around and make sandwiches um and then we grab some rosaries and holy cards and we just kind of walk two by two, as the gospel says, and see who um, we encounter and um, if they're willing to um, chat with us a bit, we will. We'll offer them a sandwich and cold water and they'd like a rosary. Often we'll pray with people. One of the more jarring realizations Audrey made was that while Atlantic City has a host of resources to help those in need, think gambling helplines, Alcoholics Anonymous, food pantries, people don't seek them out. When you've lost everything, sometimes mustering the courage to ask for help just seems like one more inhumanity, one more gut punch. People just didn't see themselves as lovable or worthy of help. So our role is really just to kind of be that that bridge to see the beauty of each soul and to reflect that back to them um, so that they can see their own worth. And then, um, and sometimes that takes years um, of coming, you know, twice a week to get breakfast and they don't say much, but slowly that relationship is built where, um, at a certain point they may, you know, have enough trust in us to seek help, or maybe we'll present the idea to them to, you know, go into a detox program or, um, connecting them to many of the resources around here. The stories can be heartbreaking. A couple of weeks ago, we were going to take a woman to detox. She had expressed interest that she wanted to do that. And she was, you know, living on a sidewalk on a piece of cardboard and, um, had had a lot of, a lot of trauma, a lot of pain in her life. And, um, so we went to her, we got everything ready and had the time we were going to take her to a facility where she could get help. And she just couldn't leave like the one unopened beer in front of her. It was a dollar 25. And she said that she's like, I just can't leave this. Like, and I'm just thinking, like, obviously this is, like, doesn't make sense. Like, it's such a better life that awaits you. I mean, detox is excruciatingly painful, but, like, beyond that, like, your life could be so different. Like, you're not going to be out in the rain on the sidewalk. Um, but it was just, you know, one of those moments where it was, like, that little thing that was standing between her and in a different life. Um, and it really just reminded me how sin really enslaves us and how God is always opening, opening the door to something bigger. For Audrey, recognizing the pain and brokenness in someone else held a mirror to her own life. 
She's a prayerful woman, but gazing into the eyes of Jesus in a stranger has a way of humbling a person. It's like, yeah, this is really what it comes down to when everything else is stripped away. Like when you're at rock bottom, like what really matters? What, what are we living for? Um, what are we numbing ourselves with? What are we afraid to give up? What is holding us back? Um, I mean, that really applies to all of us, too. It's not like it's not like they're the poor and we're, like, from this, this higher place. It's like we all have that poverty within us and that brokenness. Um, it just manifests itself in different ways. And um, in a lot of ways, there's so much to learn from the poor, too, just the, the humility that they have and the transparency. Um, although, you know, there's a lot of woundedness there, there's... Um, yeah, there's a lot of, of honesty in their brokenness um, of where they're at and um, just that really transparent desire to be loved. And love, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, never fails. In November, the community held a special bilingual rosary leading up to the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel, a special protector against temptation. And we had a really great turnout um, of many different different types of people, some of our you know, the homeless neighbors who live in the, the back parking lot behind the convent were there. And then we had a local judge and many people from the Hispanic community and um, just, you know, friends from the parish. So it was a great, you know, cross-section of Atlantic City that came for that for nine days. For one man, it was just the gentle nudge he needed. Um, that actually just happened a couple weeks ago. I think we, we took one of our, one of the, the men who was living in our, our parking lot and was homeless Um he went to a detox program and um, is doing well. He's now in a sober living home. Um, so it's really rewarding when you see those, those stories of hope. Um, and then at the convent, they also have um, just kind of like what actually Father Solanus did. A lot of, like, you can um, just ring the, the door. There's kind of hours, and you can get a sandwich and coffee at any time. And, um, you know, we'll pray with people there um, so they always know that that's that the place that they can come and just um, receive some hope and solace in monopoly boardwalk might be the most expensive property you can buy but in atlantic city it's where people who are down on their luck live audrey has encountered numerous people there and it's not always a nice place drugs and violence are common but while the pain is real the deeper wounds are invisible mother Teresa once said it best we think sometimes that poverty is only being hungry, naked, and homeless. The poverty of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for is the greatest poverty. When I first came this summer, I was just really shocked. And the greatest poverty isn't necessarily material, although that's there. Um, but, I mean, there's homeless with smartphones and all that. It's really that inner poverty that, again, like Mother Teresa spoke about, that's the greatest poverty, that loneliness, that um, just feeling unlovable inside, feeling alone, that um, that isolation from others, not knowing real healthy relationships. Um, and that's, I think, something that's particularly, um, from what I've heard from some of the other sisters, unique to um, the U.S. in particular, um, that in many other countries in the world, there's great material poverty, which is I mean, it's horrible. That's a, a deep suffering. But um, here in the U.S., a lot of the work that the Franciscan sisters and friars do in particular is really, yes, it's providing those material needs, but it goes much deeper than that because 
um, the ache is much deeper. Take one person, individual person, one person at a time. We can serve only one at a time. We can love only one at a time. Yet the whole world, though we are, it sounds so big and so much and all that, yet it is but only a drop in the ocean. But if we didn't do that little drop, that ocean would be one drop less. So I know one time I was walking on the boardwalk with um, one of the sisters and other missionaries, and this guy was there, and we were talking to him briefly, and um, he was saying just that we're the only people that are, you know, nice to him. Um, so just like little things like that, I think where people see that there's goodness and there's hope, um, and they feel loved, um, that really is what we're what we're trying to do. That yeah, just that God can use us to to reach hearts and minds and um, radiate His love out, and and I think that people do perceive that there's there's something different there. Audrey doesn't have a job to go back to once her mission is complete. St. Catherine of Siena Academy has moved on. In Monopoly terms, she hasn't passed go in a while. Audrey doesn't know what awaits her when she returns home this summer, but job or no job, she's coming home wealthier than she left. No, I did resign, and they have filled the position. Um, so I have no idea where the Lord is going to lead me. Um I love St. Catharines. I'm still good friends with a lot of people there, and we stay in touch. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see, um, you know, what they what they do in the future and how the school continues to grow and flourish. Um, and I'll always be a big big cheerleader for SCA. I don't know if I'll ever work there again. I mean, God only knows that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm open to wherever He leads, and just trying to be um, available to Him and in whatever way He. Um, is inviting me to serve and, and to live for him. Audrey doesn't consider herself a role model, but others, like Karen Irvin, have a different opinion. I wish everybody had that same just conviction. I myself, as a young person, didn't have that. I didn't have the flame of Jesus lit quite so high as I've seen in Audrey. And the fact that she was willing to kind of put her life on hold to go do missionary work is another testimony to that. And we're all called to unleash the gospel. And here we have a woman who's, who's doing that and doing it at a young age, you know, where her career now gets to be put on hold because she really felt convicted she needed to do it. Um, I, I bring my own faults and my own struggles and my own gifts. Um, and yeah, I think it's just, um, it comes down to those, those little things. Like it, it sounds radical sometimes, um, but it's just life and it's the invitation and the goal is the same. Our goal is, you know, union with Jesus and to be with him, um, and forever in heaven and, and to live each moment on earth with, um, with joy in, in that union with him and each little moment, um, so, and that can be wherever we are, like just letting him use us, giving him permission to use us, our hands and our feet and our ears and our eyes to listen to others, to receive them wherever we are. Detroit Stories is a production of the Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.